Welcome to D-Listers of History, a podcast about interesting people you probably didn't learn about in school. My name is Fega, and I am your historian of, of spookiness today. Um, and we have a very special guest, special guests, I should say. We have um, Aaliyah. Did I say that right? It's Elia, and I should have Aaliyah. mentioned that earlier, but I forgot. My, my apologies. <laughs> Elia and Jeff from the band Charming Disaster. Hey there. Hey there. Hi. So Charming <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about the stuff you do, the music you make? Um, Charming Disaster mm -hmm. started way back about 400 years ago 400. in uh, 2013, 2012. 2012. Oh, God, so long ago. And um, we are a songwriting supergroup. Yes, duo. <laughs> duo, two-person supergroup. Um, and we write spooky songs inspired by the dark and also whatever we happen to be obsessed with. Yeah. in that moment which could be science could be the occult it's usually science and the occult like yeah somewhere in some there folklore, like like neat stuff stories. that we're like yeah. that we get into um we've released uh five albums now yeah. to date yeah. and uh, yeah it gets hard to count and uh we have a actually have a new single coming out on october 27th i don't know when this is airing but, uh, uh, after that so there's a new single out there's yeah, a new there's single a new out. Uh, it's a it is a, a haunted house kind of song about carbon monoxide poisoning. I love that so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually just had an article come out on Atlas Obscura about all the 
scientific reasons people think that Eastern State is haunted that are actually science. Yeah. So that fits yeah. right into that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no carbon monoxide at Eastern State, as far as I know. Um, Low frequency vibrations, though, because that's a thing, yes. too. Yeah. yeah. And um, also just the fact that it's all barrel vaulted ceilings. So you don't even need fancy, like, levels of, of sound. Um, just if somebody is walking around on the other side of the prison and there's not a lot of people there, you can hear it. There's oh, nothing soaking yeah. up the sound. Um, it's yeah. like stone floors and like it's the sound could go on forever. And, you know, there's animals that live there and do stuff. Um, Haunted sure. animals. Yeah. And ghosts. Don't forget the raccoons. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So and I actually I was really excited. I was going through your discography and I saw you had a Houdini thing, which is appropriate. Oh, yeah. Your yeah. story today. Um, yeah, we we also have a Eusebia Palladino inspired song called cool. um, uh, "Darkened Room," which is about um, another spirit medium. It was, uh, she was an Italian spirit medium um, who Houdini also debunked. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm pretty sure she was part of the Scientific American. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. Her manager, I think her manager yes. was one of the yeah. was one of the yeah judges. And yeah, he committee. he brought her over. He like it was. I'm trying to remember, she was the one. Was she the one with the flowers? No, that was someone else. She was the one who emanated a cold wind from a hole in her forehead, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, I like that. <laughs> um, well, we're kind of getting ahead because we're yeah. uh, going to be talking about a medium today named Mina Crandon, also known as Marjorie, sort of her stage name, as it were. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to kind of do the. The biography and just hop in if there's stuff you know or you're just I think it's funny whatever <laughs> okay. it's pretty casual so Mina Crandon uh was born Mina Marguerite Stinson in 1888 in Ontario I didn't realize this until I was actually writing the notes like oh she was Canadian that totally passed me by um it was an international phenomenon though the spirit mm-hmm. medium oh movement. for sure yeah, yeah. Um, so she moved to Boston as a young woman, worked at a church as a secretary. She married a grocer named Earl Rand and had a son with him. Um, and everything was fine, really. Uh, they were doing great. <laughs> she was an ambulance driver during World War One, But then she went to the hospital with stomach pains. It was probably appendicitis. And while there, she met Dr. Leroy Goddard Crandon, who was a wealthy Boston surgeon. And suddenly she was having issues in her marriage. Mm-hmm. suddenly she eventually filed for a divorce and she she said in the divorce documents that earl was cruel and abusive this is one of those things that's like it's hard to say because back in those days you had to have a reason yeah to yeah i mean in some states now you still need a reason you can't just say like we want to split up like you need to prove something to somebody yeah so i don't you know it's it's hard because it's like what did he all of a sudden become a jerk? It's possible, you know. Right. But at any rate, she divorces him. And a couple months later, she marries Dr. Crandon, which was like a huge step up in society for her. She, the, he was, he was wealthy. He lived in Beacon Hill. Fancy. Which is a fancy part of Boston. He she was his third wife. He had a little bit of a, mm-hmm. he, he had a little bit of a history. What happened to wives one and two? So wife one uh, I guess he got bored of her. It was actually really sad. He like pushed her to divorce him. Uh, like she had to call for the divorce for some reason. Uh-huh. And she eventually did it. But apparently in the divorce hearing, she was like crying the entire time because she was like not on board with this. Um, but he was just like, I need my freedom, man. Like I need to spread my wings. <sighs> and that was the reason he gave. That was the reason he gave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> And not long after that, he gets married again to, um, I didn't write down her name, but this woman who was like a little bit more of a socialite. And they got divorced because neither of them could keep it in their pants, basically. Uh-huh. They were both carousing. Um, and she, actually, I, I think she she had some chutzpah because she, she would like bring the men home with her. When Dr. Crandon was there and be like, hey, can you like hang with this guy for a sec? I need to go like change. (laughs) So uh, that 
Why get divorced? It sounds like they had I a know, system. I know, right? <laughs> it seems like it was fine. Um, but they get divorced and uh, he marries Mina. So the story Mina tells about how she became a medium is that she uh, was out for a ride on horses with her sister, Kitty. And they were like, hey, you know what would be really funny is if we went to a seance. Uh-huh. And I guess Dr. Crandon had some interest at that point in mediumship. This was, I'm sure y'all know, this was a big thing that science was involved with at this time. So there were all these incredible discoveries that were made. We're talking early 20th century, and there are all these like important scientific discoveries that were happening. The Curies discover new chemical elements and the phenomenon of radiation. There are all these like there's radio waves. So like there's all these like invisible phenomena mm-hmm. that have been now documented by science. And so it seemed like maybe maybe there was something to this. the idea that you could yeah. communicate with with spirits or the dead. Um, and um, the other factor is that so many people had lost somebody either through World War One or through the 1918 flu that like people were very like there was like a worldwide sort of grief thing happening and people were yeah. desperate to talk to their their dearly departed. So the, the time was really ripe for this. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that was seemed to me, to be a big motivator for Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who is a big pusher of this stuff. Um, like, right. he traveled all over the United States and obviously England to talk about how he talked to his his uh, dead son in Summerland. Yep, yeah, Summerland. And even Houdini, who was a debunker of these, of many mediums, um, he really wanted there to be somebody who could prove it was the real deal because he wanted to talk to his mother. Like he, yeah. his beloved mother had died and he was very interested in speaking with her. <laughs> yeah, it almost makes it more tragic because he wanted it to be real so badly. It, it seemed like everyone wanted it to be real so badly. You know, yeah. It's, we have to be able to communicate with our, our loved ones. And it's it's so sad. Yeah, it really is. And it there's, um, I put this later, but Houdini, when he met with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, he actually had a seance with Conan Doyle's wife. She did automatic writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he at first seemed really like moved Like, oh, wow, like she's communicating with my mother, but then was like, wait, she's writing in English. Right. Mm -hmm. My mother spoke Yiddish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And was like, no. But one thing I thought was pretty legit about Houdini is he'd be like, no, this is fake, but like, we're still cool. Um, (laughs) At least with Conan Doyle for a while. They eventually had a falling out because at a certain point. You can only call somebody a fraud so many times before they get mad at you. Conan Doyle and his wife thought that Houdini had these powers that he wasn't aware of. That was the other thing. Yeah, and Houdini was like, no, I'm doing this on purpose. It's it's trickery. It's like stage (laughs) stage techniques. And they'd be like, no, no, it's real. You just don't know. Yeah, I, I love that because he's like, they're like, how do you do it? And he's like, I can't tell you because that's like against the magician's code or whatever. Like, I didn't realize they had a professional organization. That was actually one of the rules. And they're like, oh, well, you just, you just don't, you just don't know. You just don't realize. You're slipping into the ether without knowing. And he's like, I swallowed a key and then regurgitated it. <laughs> I, like, I learned how to regurgitate on that will, yeah. <laughs> um, but sure, okay. Yeah, I'm going into the ether. Um, yeah, so people really wanted this to be true. And it made sense because there was so much change going on. Like you said, radio waves and stuff, like just for the average person, you can't see it. Like what? It's right. not observable. X-rays, like, yeah. X-rays or skeletons in everybody. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and even photography was kind of a new a yeah. new thing. And so like between all those things, it's like, well, maybe we can document it. And then you have like the, the whole realm of spirit photography. Um, yes. Where, yeah. Which is, which is pretty fun Super as well. Fun. Yeah. I didn't get too into spirit photography. There's so much with this stuff but there was the story of the little girls who like were playing with the fairies ended up being a fraud yeah right. but they like took pictures and there were like fairies in it um they basically like old-timey photoshopped it yep old-timey photoshopped is the answer of yeah so mina she's out riding her horse with her sister and she 
said, you know what would be really funny is if we went to a seance and then we could go home and make fun of my husband for being into this stuff. <laughs> like, it's going to be so funny. It's going to be so weird. And then we're just going to go home and poke fun at him. So they go, they find this spiritualist minister. And this is another aspect of, there's so much to this, spiritualism, which was a religion. But it, it's a religion, but it, it, it dovetails with the science thing too. Like they tended to kind of hang together. Um, spiritualism got started uh, with the Fox sisters. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing you're familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. In Rochester, yeah. New York. Um, yeah. yeah. Bunch of teenagers cracking their knuckles. But, yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what it ended up being. But they're still, they, they still exist today, actually. Um, my mother, before she died, got really into spiritualism. And I was like, wow, you're like a hundred years behind. But okay. <laughs> oh, it's no, it's, it's thriving. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> the conditions are right now just as they were a hundred years ago. Um, yeah. Like a lot of people want something more and, um, you know, it seems like to a lot of people, maybe there's something real going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's like, um, I don't know. I think there's like a mistrust of like the scientific method and, um, science in general. So there, there, there's, you know, like, I love this stuff. I think it's really fun, but like the fact that like people are still into it, um, is, uh, mm-hmm. concerns me in certain ways. Yeah. I mean, same. My big concern when it is when it leaves the realm of just fun like some people are just like they're like oh yeah I like doing my my chart because I don't know it's fun but when it starts becoming something that can hurt people yeah well I mean the thing is that like I don't know I mean I, I want to like sort of like dial back what I just said a little bit which is that like I think that people do get some can get things that are like real and important from these encounters mm-hmm. Um, but there are people who are manipulating people through this. And, you know, I mean, far be it from me to say, like, you know, if you have, like, an important experience through one of these, you know, uh, seances, whether or not I believe, like, you're talking to your, your dead right. mother, like, you still may find some, like, emotional catharsis or or whatever. But, um, but it's the people who are taking people's money for it exactly yeah and i mean it's it's like the same thing like i'm jewish i i am somewhat active i i personally not a big uh believer in like the supernatural side of it but like a lot of my friends are and it's like that's where it is like is it hurting people or is are you getting something from it so i like a lot of my friends i think i know they're getting a lot from that sort of belief in god thing i think that's great Mm -hmm. awesome um and I sort of feel the same way about this stuff. It's like if you're using a Ouija board and it's making you, it's helping you like process your grief about somebody or whatever, like rock on, like enjoy. They go to this, this spiritualist minister and he claims that her brother Walter is coming through. And the way she tells it, she was skeptical but he, she asked a question that, like, only Walter would have known about, like, sometimes she fell off a horse or something and was, I guess, convinced. And on top of that, the, uh, minister, the minister told her that she had some, like, mediumship capabilities, that she could be a psychic herself, which was surprising to her. Her husband said this sounds stupid, which is weird because he was really into it. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, this sounds ridiculous. And she and him both were kind of agnostic about things, which was kind of trendy in that social class at the time. Right. Oh, the other thing with Walter is he had gotten interested in this stuff when he was alive. and But their parents were really religious and shut it down. So, But it made sense to Mina that of of everyone, it would be him. So she kind of sits on this for a while. She eventually decides, you know what? I want to try to do this thing. So she gets some friends over. They have dinner. Uh, they make a table. It doesn't have any metal in it because apparently that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and her husband, like, sets up some, like, ways of measuring things. 
it's the book oh, yeah. is not they, clear. Yeah. Oh yeah, they love that. They love that stuff. They're like, yeah. you know, we're gonna weigh you beforehand. We're gonna weigh you while it's happening. Like, you know, does ectoplasm weigh anything? Like, we haven't really gotten into ectoplasm oh, yet. We'll get but I, I assume we'll get there. <laughs> no lack of ectoplasm where uh, Nina Crandon is concerned. Um, it's a lot going on with her. Um, yeah. So they they all you know they sit there for a while in the dark with a red light because according to like the prevailing theory at the time, this stuff can only happen when it's dark except red lights are fine. Right. There's a lot of rules actually. There's like, you know, it has to be pretty dark, but like a red light is okay. Nobody in the room should be skeptical about this. Right. You have to believe. Right. You have to believe. Otherwise it like freaks out the spirits and they won't come. Like you definitely can't touch the ectoplasm or Mm -hmm. the medium or anything like that. Like, and um, ideally it's pretty dark and you can't see what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Which is convenient. Um, (laughs) So they do that and they just sit there for a while. It sounded like it was a long while. Like I'm kind of impressed with the commitment. And then all of a sudden the table starts to move and everyone's like, oh, wow, this is so cool. I wonder who's causing it. So they do this thing where they have like one person at a time leave the room. And finally, when Mina leaves, the table stops moving. Amazing. Amazing. I know, right? Wow. Must be the spirit. And everybody's convinced. Mina is, is, is a psychic medium. And this was the, this was something that, um, when I think of this stuff, because today it's it's the, the moving things, the telekinesis is less popular mm-hmm. than it once was. Um, I think of it more like cold readings, like the sort of John Edwards type. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm, I'm getting somebody in with the letter A, you know, that right. sort of thing. Right. Um, or hot readings, which are much easier to do today. Uh-huh. Um, and mediums did that too, but a lot of these science people were way more into the telekinesis stuff because that was measurable. Mm-hmm. Like you right. can't measure grandma talk to me. Right. So they, and some of these like descriptions of physical objects moving around were like wild to the extent that like, I kind of wish the book I read, um, which was The Witch on, of Lime Street by David Yar. Yeah, I think that's how you say his name. I, I wish he'd gone into a little more how they did it. Cause I was like, how, how'd they do that? Yeah. Like, that's a trade secret. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so she starts having, they, they make a little club they call the ABC club, which is a reference to their, the letters in the people's names and they always they have like a nice dinner beforehand they socialize and this is like an important part of the Mina Crandon thing and she is a excellent hostess and right. so they have this lovely dinner they go upstairs they lose the kid somewhere I, I'm, I'm very curious about this kid because they have a couple moments where they have like quotes from him where he's like was kind of freaked out by the whole thing mm. um well, and it must have been traumatic because so like because he was the kid from the first mar- from her yes. first marriage, right? Yes. And then like she like leaves Rand and she marries what's his face and Crandon and he he adopts her kid and renames him. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. yeah, they also like tried to adopt a kid, and I couldn't find a lot of good information on that, but it was pretty sus. Uh-huh. Um, like Doctor Crandon was accused of potentially like murdering this kid um oh my god like, yeah it's like he the kid came from england and then they were like never mind we don't want you and they sent him back and somewhere in that process he got lost oh my god yeah um it's pretty horrifying it, it sounded like houdini might have been insinuating they had like a secret kid running around the room doing stuff but uh <laughs> oh yeah, no we sent him back that orphan oh no like definitely not here it it would be wild if that was the case, but this whole thing is wild. So, like, who knows? Um, so uh, they get together. They have dinner. They go upstairs. They turn off the lights. She sits in her little spirit cabinet, and stuff moves around the room. And eventually, like, things get more and more dramatic. And eventually, Walter shows up. And Walter is quite the character. He likes to, like, touch people and, like, kind of yell stuff at them. If he doesn't like someone, he'll, like, make fun of them and, like, give them mean nicknames. He likes to play the Victorola, which is, a, like, a record player. I'm missing it. He whistled. That was one. Mm. They, they they made a bird appear at one point, which the sister wow. adopted. Wow. The bird. The spirit yeah. bird. The spirit bird. 
yeah, that apparently continued to exist post-seance. Yeah, so things just got more and more dramatic as time went on. So, oh, and he, oh, this, this is what I was searching for. Walter would call Mina the kid mm-hmm. because he was the older brother. That's cute. It was, it is cute. It was actually, um, some of the people who debunked her were really fond of Walter and like wrote, <laughs> and, and wrote that they were really sad that they would never speak to Walter again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Which is a fascinating compartmentalization. Yeah. So, so Jeff has read this book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I haven't read the book. I started it and then I, I got distracted. I read it a while ago. It yeah. So it's good. easy to get distracted. Um, but, but I did, I did look at a Wikipedia article and what I'm most interested in talking about is the fact that she would perform these seances in the nude. Oh, I was yes. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and the book really just kind of skims over that. It's kind of funny. They're like, oh, also sometimes she was naked. Um, and you're like, hold up. Like, can we talk about that? <laughs> it did the yeah. same thing with the kid that like might have been murdered. Um, mm-hmm. Where it was like, yeah, they might have had a kid buried under their house. What? <laughs> Um, so I read that not only would she do these seances in the nude, but she would also sometimes put um, a luminescent powder on her breasts. And like, that is like a, that's like a pro move. That is like, like hats oh. off to Mina Crandon. And it wasn't even just that. Like she would like tell the judges once we get to where we have judges, like, oh, Go put put your hands like on my on my thigh, and yeah. you'll feel the ectoplasm coming out or whatever. Yeah, and supposedly she was like checked before she like they had like a female member like of the the group like check her for I don't know if she was hiding stuff on her naked body somewhere yeah. or in her vagina. That was what they were. Yes. This wasn't in the book, but I read somewhere that Houdini accused her of having like plastic surgery done so she could fit more up there. Wow. <laughs> Which sometimes I'm like, okay, Houdini, calm down. Like, just <laughs> it's the Great. 1920s. Like, calm down. Um, <laughs> I mean, he was a man who knew about like putting stuff in your body. Yeah, yes, he was he like, did. oh, I, I gotta try that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, at one point, didn't he say, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like somewhere in the book, he said something like, uh, like if he had the same equipment that he could have done it to, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's really good. Somebody calling my name Wandering free in a dream of a dream Is there somebody calling my name? Come inside the circle where we sit among the candles Tap up on the table, won't you send us any signal? I could reach out and touch you Would you know me when I come through? Will you meet me in the darkness? Can we hold on? Can we hold on? Wandering free in a dream of a dream Is there somebody Somebody calling my name. 
there somebody calling my name? Wandering free in a dream of a dream. Is there somebody calling my name? Wandering free in a dream of a dream. Is there somebody calling my name? Wandering free in a dream of a dream. Is there somebody calling my name? Yeah, all right. So. So she's doing these seances, and it's like they're getting more elaborate, and then and more naked, and, then, and, sexy. and more, naked, more naked, more glowing, glow in the dark breasts. I mean, not to like keep harping on that, but like, come on, that's pretty awesome. Yes, no, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> and they were like, it's such a mystery, and they went and like inspected it, and like it's this whole, whole thing. Uh, she was well, a very so, good performer. So where do we get into the the Scientific American? judging yeah so it's around this time where things are getting really elaborate that she gets the attention of harvard throughout this whole thing they're kind of doing investigations here and there and she also at that time becomes acquainted with sir arthur conan doyle and conan doyle is the one who goes so he's for anybody listening who's unfamiliar he wrote sherlock holmes and then somewhat ironically kind of flips and becomes this big spiritualist leader probably because of his grief around losing his son in World War One, And uh, he was a true believer. Like, some of these people we learn about were definitely, like, manipulators. But I, I think Conan Doyle was, like, a true... Like, yeah, he would go on a lecture circuit it. and, like, talk about it. And, like, yeah. go and travel toward the country talking about spiritualism. Yeah, and I think he really believed in it. Um, yeah. And this actually shows he really believed in it. Because in 1924, he goes to Scientific American and says you should do a contest for someone who can prove that they are a psychic medium. And they put out a, a, a $2,500 prize for anyone who can, which was a considerable amount of money at the time. Um, and they put together like a committee, which is like a bunch of scientists, Houdini's on it. There's also another um, illusionist on it, not on the committee, but very involved is Malcolm Bird, who's an editor for the oh, movie. Yeah. Right. Well, and one of the members of the committee is mm. the Eusapia Palladino's manager also, right? I think so, yeah. I think so. I, I, I remember when they, inter- I'm not sure, but at any rate, they meet a bunch of these psychics and none of them are impressive. Right. Um, it's actually really clever, some of the stuff they did, where they set up a chair that like there was somebody in another room that a light would go off when the person left their seat. There was somebody who like, would write things with flowers. Like she'd put flowers on cards and then like oh, right. the spirits would write with them, but it only worked when she was in a field for some reason. <laughs> um, and throughout this, most of the committee is pretty good at debunking these guys. Like eventually there's someone, I think it's the person from Italy that they need Houdini to come in and be like, okay, right. let's figure out how we're doing this. It didn't sound like they liked Houdini very much. Um, no. So they didn't. They did no. not include him if they could uh, avoid it. Well, because he was he was a stage magician and like he was all about escaping and you know right. That's where he learned all yeah. these. He learned all about this on the vaudeville yeah. circuit. Yeah, vaudeville and then um, uh, sideshows before he got onto vaudeville. Sideshows, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there was a like there was somebody who I'm pretty sure was from Italy. He when he saw how they were tying the guy, they were like they would like tie the person up. And he saw how they did it. And he's like, amateurs, let me do this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and his whole thing is that you had to tie with like little pieces of rope, not like one big piece of rope. Yeah. And he's like, he might be able to get out, but he won't be able to get back in. Uh, uh-huh. um, and that made the manager really angry. And he accused Houdini of uh, tying tying up the medium like uh, Christ was tied up on the cross and Houdini like, <laughs> lost it. <laughs> they had to like hold him back. That's one thing I really appreciated about the book is it really was very frank about the anti-Semitism oh, that Houdini yeah. was. Ex- like Houdini, kind of a jerk also. Mm-hmm. There was uh, some real stuff going on there. Now, I don't know if it was mentioned in the book or who who comments on it is that the 
spirit mediums are the first like real escape artists. It's like that, that skill was learned through spirit, spirit mediums. I mean, that makes sense. Didn't who, I think Houdini got his start, like claiming that he was a spirit medium and then decided to drop that part of his act. Yeah. So they were definitely like one in the same. So I think part of why Houdini was so irritated by it. Yeah, well, sure. and and Eusepia, who is the uh, the Italian medium we mentioned earlier, um, who we have a song about, her husband was a stage magician. So, like, the, the two professions are very closely aligned. Yeah, and if you look at Mina Crandon on, you know, Google, it says magician, um, mm-hmm. yeah. which is appropriate, I think, but uh, not how she probably would have described herself. Yeah, so we talked about Houdini really wanted to talk to his mom. He was really close to his mom. And when she died, he was really upset. Um, But because he was a magician, he could figure all this stuff out. Like he would go and be like, okay, this isn't real because I know you're doing X, Y, and Z. He was just basically like, every time the committee was like, okay, I think we really got someone this time. We have to interact with Houdini. (laughs) And Houdini would come in and just like ruin it and just be like, no, he's doing X, Y, and Z. Bye. We're done. We're done here. Go away. (laughs) But, But the thing is, is all these people who came in, tended to be from like the working class people who definitely $2,500 would be like life-changing for them and oftentimes took money for, for their work. Like they would do seances for people and they would take money. And this is part of why Mina Crandon was so different and so appealing to scientific Americans. So I think it was Conan Doyle who introduced her. That might be wrong. She's brought in front of the committee and they're really like, she doesn't charge. Like she's just kind of doing for funsies. Right. She's rich. She doesn't need the money. This is just, uh, it's just for her. Yeah. And, and not only that, not only does she not need the money, like she and her husband pay for these guys to come up from New York mm-hmm. and like they stay at their house and they feed them. They don't need the money at all. And this is appealing. And also she's very like genteel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she wines and dines them, definitely. Oh, for sure. And there was actually, which is very different from, I actually, I bookmarked this because it made me laugh so hard. Things they said about some of these other people. Oh, here we go. The One of the mediums they talked to is John Sloan. It was a Scottish guy. And uh, Malcolm Bird said that he had intelligence comfortably below the mean. <laughs> <laughs> so compared to those people, Mina was like, oh, this might be a real thing. And so... The committee is like super impressed, super impressed with everything she does. Walter comes through, he's whistling, he's playing music on the Victorola, he's picking stuff up and putting it down, ringing bells, the whole nine yards. And they're so excited about this. And they keep going to these seances. Like they went like 40 times or something before they called Houdini in. Mm-hmm. And every time she's whining and dining them and she's very flirtatious with them. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, Dr. Crandon is really lovely. And it's just like, it sounds like it was just like fun to be around her. Yeah, I would go. Sounds like a, yeah, sounds like a fun night out. It really does. And some of the pictures they took, (laughs) you can tell like that they were all having a good time, which I think, I think she probably was really like that. But I think that was also part of her like shtick. If, If you're friends with someone, you don't want them to be making stuff up. Everything gets, she eventually has ectoplasm. Uh, start to emerge as mm-hmm. her she she just gets more and more dramatic with yeah well you got to keep raising the stakes otherwise people will stop coming yeah so ectoplasm is one of these things that we think of as sort of i was going to say standard because that implies you can get it at like walmart but <laughs> ectoplasm it's like you just you just know that it's a thing that ghosts make now but it was it was developed by one of these mediums not her, not Mina Crandon. It would be like this idea that, that this was how the spirits were moving things, was you had this ectoplasm coming out of the medium's body and like picking stuff up. And and as you said, like you cannot touch the ectoplasm. Terrible things will happen. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Non-specific terrible things will happen if you touch right. the ectoplasm. Well, well so, I mean, for example, like it could kill the medium is what they yeah. sometimes say. Yeah. And a lot of people did a lot of different things. Mina Crandon's ectoplasm was very, like, fleshy. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. There's a picture on Wikipedia of it, and it looks like a weird, like, deflated hand. 
because what it ended up being is this, these were like her husband had like sewn together like animal organs and stuff and put them on need- knitting needles and things like that so that they could mm-hmm. kind of emerge. Right, like a, like emerge. a sausage casing, essentially. Yeah, yeah, um, which I think is really clever. Yeah, a lot of, <laughs> lot of creative thinking. Yeah, and so they finally, they, they try to control her to, to make sure she's not doing anything and they can't find a way to stop the, um, to have a blank seance, what they called them. Because that was how it always had worked before with the others is they finally like, did the thing that caused nothing to happen. And that just kept not happening. They would hold her hands and they would hold her feet. And she was always so like, yeah, do whatever. It's fine. Right. Like, I don't care. I'll be naked. (laughs) It's fine. Do you want to look in all of my orifices? Let's go. Like, (laughs) and so they were really impressed. So if I finally bring Houdini up and Houdini is hype, he like cancel shows and he's like, I'm I'm going, but he refuses to stay with them because he thinks that's weird. Mm-hmm. And he's right. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, this is other thing. There was the other illusionist on the committee, Carrington, um, was Carrington. That's that's the manager of Yosepia. Yeah, and he was having an affair with Mina Crandon. Oops. Oops. Yeah. I feel like that would. I feel like that would impact your um your like impartiality. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Malcolm Bird claims that he was having an affair with her but she said oh i would never he's too ugly so so who are you gonna believe <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems like there was a lot a lot of hanky panky happening which i think was a lot of like because you know it, this we'll talk about this at the end but like the why of it and i think that's kind of yeah. part of it for her yeah so houdini shows up and she does her whole like whining and dining thing doesn't she like heavily flirt with Houdini or is that? Yes, and he is very uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm actually curious about this. I need to read up more on Houdini because it meant the book mentioned sort of in passing that he was always really uncomfortable around women. Mm. Hmm. I mean, he and his wife were like deeply devoted to each other. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth. There is a picture of Houdini and Mina Crandon that looks like she's about to like kiss him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can so, see that making making a person uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. So there was yeah. definitely a very one sided flirtation going on there. So Houdini, like, he ties her up. She still does the thing. He is like very like, I know it's fake. Give me a night to think about it. Mm-hmm. I think there was a little bit of game recognized game mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. on there. Um, yeah. He's like, but I'm gonna figure it out because I know it's fake. And he keeps trying to do things to like, oh, she's she's doing things with her feet. So like they put her in a box and she like breaks out of the box and is like, Walter did it. Right. Right. <laughs> and Houdini's like, I saw her muscles in her neck move. And everyone's like, oh, Houdini, you're such a jerk. Why are you so mean to her? Don't be so uptight. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you being so mean to Mina? She gave us right. food and wine and it was fun. She slept with me. Yeah, just let her kiss you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Like, come on, Harry. Um, (laughs) um, The box is my favorite because this, he made this box that was supposed to be like, this is like illusionist proof. And then she beats, she beats it. And he's like, well, I could have done that. Right. I could totally do that. And it's like, which is it, Houdini? It's like raccoons, you know, like they're going to get into the garbage can. Like they're motivated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there were a few moments in this where I was like, everybody sucks in this. Like, everybody's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like, I'm not rooting for anyone. Eventually, he decides that she's doing it with a mix of, like, her head and her feet. And she accuse it, he accuses some of the members of the committee of helping her. Mm-hmm. Right. Later, much later, uh, Malcolm Bird does say that he knew that Carrington was helping her. Of course, Carrington was helping her. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> he was just jealous. So. Yeah, was he was he... jealous that he was too ugly, apparently. To... That's too ugly. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Now I want to know more about Carrington because, like, he was the manager of one medium and was amorously well, involved with another one. Like, yeah, I mean, I could see why they would have him on the committee just because, like, oh, you know how this works. This bullshit works. Yeah, but it seems more like he's got a type. 
Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so. he does. Well, Eusapia's she's a type, and that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was actually another person that she might have been uh, having a little canoodling with, and that was Eric Dingwall, who was another magician, who Houdini was so mad at. Because Dingwall, I guess, had struggled a little bit financially in his life. And Houdini had always, like, kind of swooped in and come to his rescue. And Houdini was like, you've you've ruined this. Like, you're such a jerk. I, like, paid for your professional membership in the Magicians Union or whatever. Um, and now you're turning around and, like, just pretending that you don't see what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So they put her in the box. The box was one of my favorites. Especially because Houdini was like, I could totally do that. I got it. But Houdini's just like, I'm done with this. This is, I've got it all figured out. She's using her head. She's using her feet. You know, she's got helpers. Um, At one point, there's this whole thing with a a ruler where he finds a ruler in the box and they accuse him of putting the ruler in the box. And so at this point at the seances, now they're like holding her down and holding Houdini down. Right. Which, like, if they couldn't hold these seances, these, like, various mediums down, I don't know why they think they can keep Houdini under control. <laughs> um, <laughs> the guy, this is his whole thing. But that was a whole thing that this, this, this ruler keeps coming up because it's, like, both parties use it as proof against the other. Right, right. Houdini says, look, I found a ruler. One of you is helping her. And they're like, you planted the ruler to discredit her. Yeah. And he's like, how could I have done that? And they're like, I don't know. You're Houdini, man. You can do all kinds of stuff. So Houdini wants to go to the press. And this is part of what pissed people off about Houdini is for previous psychics, he was so excited to like show how he figured it out that he went to the press before he was supposed to. And oh. so, yeah, Munn, the, who's the, the owner of Scientific American, was like, you need, you need to be quiet. You need to stop. Um, so he's behaving himself. And then Malcolm Bird, the editor, comes and writes this whole thing about how amazing Mina Crandon is, gives her the name Marjorie because she doesn't want to be identified because she's like a society lady. Mm-hmm. Houdini is like so mad because he's like, wait, he gets to say stuff and I don't? Like, this is ridiculous. And it's just the committee really falls apart. They were barely holding it together, like socially for a while there. And this was just like the end of it. Um, the committee, like, no, it, nobody likes Houdini, but some of them agree with Houdini. Um, this guy Prince was a scientist and he was like, he, he really had an open mind about it, so it took him a while to decide, which annoyed everybody. They eventually have a vote. It takes them forever. Like, it seems like they were at this for, like, months and months and months and months. And I'm like, is anything new happening? You go, you sit in the dark room, you put her in the weird box, you hold her down, she makes things float, rinse, repeat. But, you know, I guess if you're getting something more than a seance out of it, it might be a... Sure, you want to keep going back. Let's, know, let's, right? do that again. let's do that thing again we were doing before. <laughs> So finally they vote and it's all comes down to this prince guy and he votes against Mina. So she is not awarded the prize, which was very upsetting for her and Dr. Crandon. They didn't need the money, but it was like a pride thing at that point. So it was like Houdini sure. won. And Houdini starts running around doing an entire performance about all the ways that she was a fraud. Right. Like he's like goes on like a like a like tour and he's like so there's this marjorie person and here's all the ways she's fake um and he would do all of her tricks on stage in the way that you know he actually made a pamphlet where he drew how he thought she was doing things wow published it he was he was like i am going (laughs) he was going hard at mina but that scientific american wasn't really the end of mina crandon being investigated so there was another organization at the time the american society of psych psych Keel Research. I assume we've come across these since this, these guys Asper A S P R. I don't know if I have actually. Oh, is that anyway? Go ahead. I just there were just another group that was doing a lot of investigations. Yeah. So they keep investigating. The Crandons don't like them very much. And then there's these Harvard students, and they're, they're like English majors, and they just like decide, you know what, we're gonna investigate Mina Crandon. <laughs> Listen, as an as a former English major, um, it really does prepare you for anything. It, it, genuinely, <laughs> I mean, as a history major, yes. Like, go humanities. Um, <laughs> and I, I kind of, I, I just kind of love the, like, early 20s, like, I can do anything. Mm-hmm. Sort of audacity of the early 20s. And so they do basically the same stuff that the Scientific American Committee did. 
Except I guess they're more likable. So when they're like, oh, yeah, here's how she's doing it. It was all the same stuff Houdini said. But right. now they listen to them. And this is actually the kid who was, like, really sad about Walter not being real. Oh. <laughs> I really like Walter. <laughs> <laughs> and he had, like, a private meeting with Mina. He was, like, convinced Mina didn't know what she was doing. Like, he thought there was something, like, psychologically going on. Which, I mean, who knows? Maybe. Wow. Um, yeah. He, like, talked to her and was like, listen, I have to tell everybody it's fake, but I want you to know, like, I think you really, I think that you really believe this is happening. I want you to know that. He was really upset about it, but he was honest and he came forward and said, this is what she's doing. And that was very much, that wasn't the end of her career as a medium, but, like, that was an important moment. Those people were like, okay, a nice person said that she's fake. Right. Mm -hmm. So I guess we have to believe it now. She, she and her husband go like into, go to Europe and travel around and do their, do their thing, their ectoplasm. It's nice. It's nice that, you know, she could keep that up. Well, and this is, this is one of the things of like, why was she doing this? Because at least in the beginning, she didn't want money. She didn't want notoriety. And there's some theories that she did this to keep her husband's attention. Because remember, he had divorced two women already because he got bored. Mm-hmm. So and he was into this stuff, and clearly she was very gifted at it. But like things get rough. She slips into a depression after he dies. She like during a séance tries to die by suicide by climbing to the top of the roof of a house, um, while supposedly under the influence of a spirit, not Walter, some other spirit. Mm-hmm. So like it really, it's really sad just how that all descended. But yeah, that's but, but the thing I think is so fascinating about her is like why was this? Why was any of this happening? Because it's really easy to see the motivation of some of these folks. Right, right. Like some of them, it's like, well, obviously it was their job or like it was the alternative to like, you know, a crappy job at a factory or something. When you get paid a lot more for it. Yeah. Right. You get a lot of attention. You get a lot of notoriety. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can. Travel. Yeah. Yeah. You get glory. You get fame. You get. Being a rock and roll musician. Yeah. It's a lot like that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she just wanted to, like, hang out in her parlor and do this for her society friends. So, like, you know, so there's the theory. We talked a little bit about how, like, it got (laughs) – there was definitely some, like, shenanigans, like, sexual shenanigans going on. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely made me wonder. They didn't use this word in the book, but I was reading. I'm like, was this, like, a kink for the two of them? Right. Right. I mean, it's it's an excuse to be socially naked. Socially naked. And, Mm -hmm. like – you know, get the attention of a lot of people like holding your leg and making sure that nothing is coming out of you. And right. if Dr. Crandon is into that too, then, you know, like right. that works. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and like, I don't know, it's, it seems like society, especially like upper class society had like a lot of rules and hangups about what you could and could not do. And if she was used to a a freer kind of sexually liberated situation in her previous marriage. And now in society, like she had to find ways to like make it con- like give it context. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can see that being, being right. part of her, her motivation. Or perhaps being listened to in a way that she wouldn't yeah. normally be listened to. Like, Oh, the spirits say you should cut down on your drinking and stop. You clean up the house a little bit. More. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll listen. You know, it's Walter saying that you should stop. Then that is is a thing because Walter is mean. Yeah. Right. It's a whole other personality mm -hmm. that comes out. Like, she's all, like, friends trying to smooch Houdini. And as soon as Walter comes out, Houdini, like, Walter just, like, eviscerates him. Like, he's a bully. And so that definitely crossed my mind of, like, I wonder if this is a way for her to say the things she's thinking. Right. Mm -hmm. Her, like, shadow self. Yeah. And also, especially because she did, she wasn't born into this um, social strata, which interestingly, like when she's being written about by like Scientific American and so forth, some newspaper reporters like kind of find out that she's originally working class and they use it as like a, well, clearly she's lying then. Clearly (laughs) she's what? Lying. Oh. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, that's, that's a little weird. Cause like, I mean, she is, but that's not, it's not cause she's. That's not why. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like yeah she married well yeah class was 
Yeah. Well, and like among the upper classes, like you never wanted to be mentioned in the paper unless you were like Mm -hmm. getting married or having your obituary in the paper. Like, like being written about was kind of shameful. And so, you know, it makes sense to me that like she would have used a pseudonym um, for that reason too. Oh, it made tons of sense. But over time also her, her star sort of fades and also interest in mediumship fades. We go into the 1930s and people are too busy trying to survive yeah. to be worrying about Summerland. And World War II, interestingly, does not in- invoke the same sort of interest in speaking to the other side, um, which I think has more to do with just like what science was doing was so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And the popularization of psychology, I think, mm-hmm. also. And people are getting more into like Freud. I mean, Freud's work was for obviously but like it's becoming more and more acceptable right. to talk about your problems or you know in some pseudoscientific way instead of like having speaking for your dead brother uh, right. to say what you're really thinking and like i said before like obviously this stuff's still around um less of the telekinesis stuff i, know. I gotta think, bring that back i know bring back i know i think i think people are a little more um incredulous today like i think it's harder to pull off the telekinesis yeah yeah and you know everybody's got a camera like you can it's it's harder to get away with telekinesis i've been practicing my telekinesis myself it's not i'm not very good at it but i'm gonna keep on trying oh yeah Mm -hmm. your telepathy is working yeah no my telepathy is great (laughs) (laughs) telepathy is very handy yeah and so but like you said at the very beginning like we're seeing a resurgence of a lot of this stuff yeah, I think I think people are seeking answers that they're not getting elsewhere. And um, but I I think of an interesting thing that we we heard recently. A friend of ours produced a theater show that was inspired by the Fox Sisters, which was it was presented kind of as a séance, like it's a sort of immersive show. Oh wow! And um, and and the show, like the point of the show, was to kind of do what Houdini did essentially, and kind of like debunk it at the end and during one of the performances somebody had like a very like profound like experience um where you know the medium connected them with their their dead mother and like they had a whole thing and um and and our friend sort of was like i i didn't want to tell them that it wasn't real because like this person had like this this kind of important experience yeah and then as it happened somebody like fainted toward the end of the show and they had to like cut it off before the big reveal at the end yeah. it's like it was for the best the fainting wasn't caused by <laughs> by some kind of spiritual as far as, you know. far as we know <laughs> low blood sugar and a warm place it's a but... warm room yeah well i mean it's like there there's a podcast i listen to oh no ross and carrie and they're skeptics and every year i guess they do some sort of skeptics carnival Mm, that's fun (laughs) (laughs) but uh he every year does like a cold reading Mm. where he like sits Mm -hmm. in a booth and like wears a goofy outfit Uh and does cold reading and he straight up says like this is what i'm doing here's an explanation and he said that even though he's very upfront, he still has people year after year who tell him that like they had this really meaningful experience because of his like psychic abilities or whatever yeah well, it's a little like the placebo effect where even when even when a doctor says I'm giving you a placebo, like often like I, I was just reading an article about how powerful the, the placebo effect is and that even in situations where it's an open study and the, many of the people who are given a placebo still experience some kind of benefit compared to not having anything happen. And like the, the theory is that having this kind of encounter with somebody who is listening to you Mm -hmm. and providing care in a certain way is really effective for certain kinds of pain like physical or psychological and so like some like so like the point in some some of the time i think it's like it doesn't matter if it's real yeah right the results are the same like somebody experiences some sort of healing so i like and i'm like and as a skeptic like that's like a problematic place to land (laughs) i think but i think it's it's reasonable like i i always say to people and they ask me because i work in this very famously haunted place sometimes you know if i've ever had any experiences whatever and it's like well no but like for me figuring out what's actually happening is part of the fun 
because of the hope that at some point maybe the science will hit a wall. Yeah, mm. sure. Um, and how exciting will that be when that exactly. moment happens? But it's also the power of suggestibility. You're in this place that's bathed in red light. I know just last night I felt like my radio kind of like shift and I was like, oh shit, am I wrong about everything? And it's like, you know, or like the antenna got stuck in my shirt and like, <laughs> like I, I was like pacing around. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but there's that moment of like, you're in that space and you're like, you want it to be real. Right. You want it, you want it to be the situation that even Houdini can't explain. Yeah. But we're not there um, yet. <laughs> no, not yet. Oh, I really feel, I really feel for Houdini. He uh, unfortunately met a sad end. Um, anybody, I, I'm imagining most people, I think this is pretty famous, but he uh, got punched in the stomach when he wasn't expecting it. Right. What I didn't realize from the book was that I guess there was some question about whether it might have been like a setup. And that surprised me. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. There's, I feel like there's something about the story that's apocryphal, but I don't remember which part of the story is apocryphal. Um, that like part was, seemed odd to me. Like there was the gut punch because he he had a thing where he would ask people to punch him, yeah. um, and he would like tighten his core, and like his core was very strong, and and somebody caught him off guard, or it was a setup. But I have also heard that that's not really the story, and that it was mm -hmm. like appendicitis or something, or that like he burst his appendix. Or he was also sick. At yeah, the time or he something. was very sick. Um, <laughs> And had like broken his ankle and kept going like this man. According to the book, the punch caused his appendix to burst. So I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I don't or know what I'm talking about. Or did it? Or did it? Or what? Maybe it was the ghosts getting uh, getting revenge. That's right. Well, okay. So thank you for coming on and chatting with me about spooky stuff. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to plug? Where to find you online and all that good stuff? Um, yeah, folks can find us online at charmingdisaster.com. Our music's on all of the major listening platforms, and we're on Instagram and, and TikTok and all those things. All the things. But specifically, um, we think people should check out our song Houdini, which you mentioned earlier, um, and our song Darkened Room, which is about Yosepia Palladino, a spirit medium very similar to Mina Crandon in her strategies mm -hmm. and then our our latest song cherry red which is the the haunted house carbon yeah. monoxide too yeah there's something for everyone <laughs> i love that i'm excited for the carbon monoxide one <laughs> just oh so good um okay well thank you thanks so much thank it was fun it was chatting fun. with you thank you so much for listening to delisters of history if you enjoyed yourself be sure to subscribe and drop us a review on whatever platform you listen on and a big thank you to Charming Disaster for providing the music for this program. At the very beginning, you heard Darkened Room and the interstitial was Houdini. And stick around for the end of this because we will have their new single, Cherry Red, which is the carbon monoxide one. D-Listers of History is a member of the World Podcast Network. Head over to nycpodcastnetwork.com and give this episode a like to help our rankings. A huge thank you to April Keys for the use of the song Misfit from her album Mountain View. You can find her on all the various social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and sometimes TikTok at Delicious of History, no hyphens. A big shout out to the folks supporting us on Patreon. If you want to support us and get access to all sorts of exclusive content, early episode releases, stuff like that, you can find that and more on our website, deliciousofhistory.com. Again, no hyphens. Also on the website, you can find our sort of baby merch store. Um, and I really encourage you to spread the word about the podcast. Uh, just word of mouth is how these things oftentimes happen. So uh, we appreciate any sort of bump you can give this crazy project we're doing here. Our episodes release every other week, so the next episode will be out on November 27th, and we'll be chatting with Rebecca Bratsby's, who is an author about Major William Francis Deegan. And now, enjoy Charming Disaster's new single, Cherry Red, and get your carbon monoxide detectors checked. Do you hear the motor running? Pilot light went out Who left the gas on? Is it just the television? Whispers in the dark Another night of bad dreams 